Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Critical Twits Gaming Podcast. This week we've got interviews with Tristan Von Zahn, who came fourth at Euros, and Ben Nee, a popular content creator who came second place at Worlds. Hello, and once again I'm on my own this week, introducing a few interviews I've done with people from the Netrunner community. So sadly we're a few shorter than we'd like, but we have got a couple of uh, really good interviews with some fantastic people. Uh, we'll be getting back on track with our Netrunner Noob series soon, we're just trying to find a good angle. Uh, we're not really sure whether we want to be aiming at this at post-rotation for anyone getting into the game now, or anything else. So if you've got any ideas on that, or anything you'd like to hear about from us, let us know. Um, you can get in contact with us from all the usual places, um, from social media or our website, criticaltwits.com. Uh, as a side note, I am sorry if the audio quality is not amazing this episode. Uh, it's purely because I've not found myself a decent bit of software yet for Skype. Um, but anyway, without uh, dragging it on too much, here is the first interview with Triss. Okay, guys, we're here with our first interview today with Tristan Von Zahn. I believe I'm saying that correctly. Yes, you are, Joe. How's hey. it going? It's going well. We're just about recovered from the expo and the lack of sleep and, and all the all the running of nets. Yeah, tell me about it, right? So, um, congratulations. Oh, thank so you very much. You came fourth, I believe. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, surprising even myself with that result. But yeah, uh, it was a very, very cool weekend. Yeah, uh, we absolutely uh, loved it. I mean, I especially getting to meet far more people in the community that I've not met so far. Yeah, it's was... really exciting to be able to put names to faces that you see on the internet, uh, or indeed names to weird tags that people have on the internet. <laughs> or those disembodied voices that you're yes, exactly, so used right? to. I mean, this high wire guy, who's that? Oh, it's Richard Hammond. What a fabulous man. Oh, yes. Um, if you guys keep listening, we will have a uh, an interview with Richard Hammond later. That will actually happen. I promise. This <laughs> Fantastic. Won't, this won't be aired until it happens. We will get an interview <laughs> with him. Um, so, you know, now it's 2019. <laughs> cool. Okay, so to start off, um, what decks did you take? So, I did a lot of thinking about Netrunner while I was supposed to be doing work, but very little actual practice. But the practice that I did do uh, in person was with my friend Theo, who managed to finish third at the tournament. Props to him for doing so well. Uh, we were fairly convinced that Haas-Byroid Engineering the Future with Estelle Moon was going to be the deck to beat at the tournament. And every single test game that we played, it felt like far and away the strongest corporation deck that we could we could possibly play so we knew that that was going to be locked in i did waver a little bit i must admit and I, I got sort of cold feet the night before but theo thankfully gave me a bit of a smack with uh, his estelle moon deck and that sealed it for me the real question was what was going to happen on the runner side and uh of course theo being a uh one of the top players in the uk good friends with chris dyer laurie poulter alex white that same group of top, top tier UK players had been secretly testing out a wizard deck that he revealed to me the night before. 
Unfortunately, that deck doesn't have my favorite card in it, which is a Count Cipher. So I knew that I was going to be playing something completely different to them, and I took Wizard with a Count Cipher. The spicy tech in my deck was that I had three account siphons rather than the usual two. And I also had a singleton copy of Rumor Mill because we felt that turning off Estelle Moon early would be one of the only ways that you could defeat that deck consistently. And it turned out that that was a good decision in the end. Awesome. Um, so the, the three account siphons and the Rumor Mill is all of your influence, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely the only things that I managed to splash for because as it turns out putting things on the most wanted list at tier 3 makes them really expensive it does um, but there's, it's probably justified yeah, maybe I mean I have said before that I think rumor mill is far too blanket a card and that it should have been more targeted something akin to a card like targeted marketing where the corp gets to name a runner card and when the runner plays it they gain 10 credits Rumor Mill should have worked in a similar way where you name a particular kind of asset, say Jackson Howard, or a particular kind of upgrade, say Caprice Nisei, and it blanks only that card, leaving all your other unique cards viable as the corporation. But I think it has done some good things for the game. I mean, there would certainly be a lot less Estelle Moon running around if Rumor Mill was not most wanted listed. Yeah, no, that seems fair. I actually really like that idea of switching it to a, a named... Um, a named unique asset can't be used. Essentially, that would, uh, yeah, that would that would do cool things. You should go go shout with them. Make make that card. Yeah, I didn't win that prize, so you know, <laughs> I'll leave that. I'll leave that to Mike to solve as a as a problem. Oh no, he's already uh, he's already hinted at what he wants to make as a card. Oh, I hope it. I hope it's some sort of Jackson Howard replacement. That's really what the game needs right now. Actually, <laughs> um, he hinted something about mates that not all bad pub is bad. Oh, that's spicy. I quite like that. This certainly was... give a big boost to Wayland, which would be fabulous. Oh yeah, wouldn't it? Just um, that was his kind of mention in his uh, post-winning interview. That he said, "You know, me and some friends have been saying, oh, wouldn't it be great to have this.'" He's like, so I'm, I'm hoping for something like that. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, here's hoping we get to see that card fairly soon. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. So, yeah, you came fourth. fourth. Was there, were there any particularly memorable games for you? So I've actually written, a, a, I, I tend to, at the conclusion of every tournament, write a long gushing post on the, uh, the Slack forums where the UK Netrunner players hang out and talk about the game and more often just talk about real life and memes. Uh, it's not a very good place for you to come and learn things about the game, but it's a great <laughs> place to hang out with some cool people. Uh, and I write long gushing posts every single time I finish a tournament in the UK just because I love these people, I love the games that I get to play with them. And so I actually wrote one uh, recently about the, the European Championships, talking about two of the games that I thought were memorable. One, because it was an awesome summation of everything that I love about Netrunner, and the other, because it was kind of the exact opposite, but just highlighted exactly what I was talking about with the first game. Okay. So, Do, you, tell you, do you want us to just link to that for you? And then people you can, can go and have a read. You can happily do that. It's on Netrunner Dorks. Uh, what I will mention is that uh, the game against uh, Medioka is uh, the game is a game against Dan Dogenio. Medioka is his Jinteki.net uh, handle. And Dan, for those who aren't in the know, was the 2014 and 2015 world champion. So 
an incredibly good player, uh, arguably one of the best the game has ever seen. So he, de- he definitely thinks so. Oh yeah, no, no. If you if you <laughs> ask him, he is fairly convinced on that point. Um, but very, very good player. Yes. Uh, so that's who I'm speaking about in that one. The other game, I think I mentioned Dave Sayer by name. Uh, Dave is one of the UK's top 16 world competitors from last year. Very famous for playing a particular degenerate deck archetype called Diaper. If you are new to the game and don't know what it is, don't find out. It's really terrible. Like, oh. please never play it. It's it's horrendous. It's like playing Solitaire, but worse. Um, but that's who I'm talking about when I talk about Rotage, which is his online handle. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I I caught the the second half of your second game against Dan. Um, wandered over and saw you two play, and I thought, oh, do you know, what? I'll sit, I'll sit and watch this. And I think I got about five minutes of almost silence as you two kind of just drew cards and poked things and gestured and kind of went, yeah, this, that, that. Okay, cool. Like almost nothing being said, and then I think you started running. Almost instantly, it switched to the opposite. If you both go, go on, do this, do this, ooh, at each other. Um, I was great. I think I was reaching over and dancing with the poker chips that he was using as yes. tokens uh, for his credit pool <laughs> at some point because I was trying to point out to him that he was incredibly poor and there was nothing that he could do. It was, it was a really fabulous game. I had a lot of fun. Uh, as it turns out, he's really, really good at banter. So uh, <laughs> we had a good yeah. time. Yeah, um, watching you sit there going, yeah, go on then, go on then, Dan, shuffle back in the... Uh, uh, the agenda. Go on, go on, go on. After you keyholed out a GFI, I believe. As it was even better than that. So he had a Vitruvius counter, which yeah. allows him to pull a, a card back from archives. And I knew that I'd hit an agenda with a wanton destruction. So I got to toss three cards out of his headquarters into the archives. And so I knew that there were two agendas there, and he could only pick one of them. And I was goading him into trying to pick the one that he could score. Um, which he sort of sat for a very long time, gave me this really, really, really disapproving look. And eventually went, yeah, you know what, fuck it, I'll just take that one. Oh, sorry, I hope you can edit that out. No, no, it's fine, mate. You okay, fantastic. Like. All right, um, fantastic, yeah. So he's just, just, you know, he was like, fine, I will, God, pull it back into his hand, and I stole the other one. It was fabulous. Didn't you mad dash in for the GFI? I, I did, I did yes. indeed. So I, I didn't just get two points, I got three. It was excellent. <laughs> I, for for those people that that obviously missed this, um, it it was really entertaining um, to see. Obviously, someone I know and have met at a tournament before, and sort of had had the odd chat with. Uh, obviously, be interesting, and and seeing him against Dan and looking kind of thinking, oh god, he looks really nervous. To then just see him kind of going, go on, Dan, go on, go on. It, it was it was wonderful. It was it was one of my favourite moments of the weekend. Uh, certainly one of mine. Uh, in the long gushing post, I said uh, I made a point of saying that what draws me to the game, and I think what ought to draw just about anyone to this game, is that you create a lot of great moments that can be shared with friends. And this, to me, was a, a great example of that, where rather than being a high-stakes, really intense thing where both of us were hyper-focused, it just became like a game played on a kitchen counter. And I thought that was really, really fantastic because even though the stakes were really high and I wanted to beat him so badly, Joe, I cannot describe to you how badly I wanted to beat him. Um, it was just a really fun game between two friends. And uh, we've uh, we've had you know some chats throughout the weekend, become good friends after that. So I'm looking forward to many more games against him uh, of that kind of nature. 
Yeah, and I mean, I know we've we've spoken about this. Anyone that you talk to about Netrunner will sort of talk about how good the community is, how solid everyone is, how how friendly everyone is. It's because it's universally true. And I mean, one of the really nice things about the European Championships in particular is that you got to meet not just members of communities that come down occasionally. uh, So people from, say, for instance, Scotland or Ireland that we see sometimes, but not always. But also people from further afield, out from Germany. From we met some lovely, lovely netrunners from Spain. Shout out to you guys if you ever get around to listening. We had players from Romania. We actually had a second South African at the tournament, which was something I was completely horrified to discover uh, because <laughs> I'd be going around smugly telling everyone, "Oh, I'm the only South African at this tournament," and then someone came and introduced himself to me and said, "I recognise your accent," and uh, you know my my dreams of being the only South African in the tournament just sort of shattered like that. But it was great. It meant that, uh, you know, made a new uh, made a new contact, told him he needs to come down to Cape Town because he lives up in Johannesburg, play some Netrunner down at the store where I learned to play, and hopefully he will. Hopefully he'll manage to make it back and the South African community can continue to go from strength to strength. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's just because we, we had, I think it was 22 different nationalities playing. That's, I think, the, the count that we've got at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah it was really it was a remarkable tournament and i'm really glad that ffg decided to do this and that they've decided to continue it uh it's i think it's great for european netrunner as a whole uh to get us all together like this and certainly one of the bigger tournaments i mean we had 227 players there or something by last count so it was it was a really really good event all around i think couldn't agree more um for those of you that um have missed it our we did we've done another podcast talk where i've interviewed uh michael coop who ran the tournament for ffg uh there'll be a link popping up now if you guys want to go and have a little listen to that as well afterwards hopefully because this is going to continue being good um cool so uh next thing i mean you mentioned um where you learned to play and everything in south africa um, yeah and as we're talking about the community, this seems like a really good time to mention the work you've been doing to help the community over there. Yeah, so I mean, not so much work I've been doing. I mean, the legwork was really done by members of the European Netrunner community. So I, a couple of days before the tournament, uh, I think I first announced it at the Bring a Brit to Worlds finals to say this was something that I was interested in. But uh Bringing prizes and uh, organized play kits into South Africa has become increasingly expensive, what with the uh, diminished attendance for tournaments back home and also the, uh, the just the, the exchange rate uh, turning against us. So it means that getting prize support for Netrunner uh, has become particularly difficult. And that obviously has a really chilling effect on the community. Uh, it means that you don't have a lot of stuff to run events with. You're reliant on old prizes. Uh, it it becomes difficult to keep a community alive. So one of the things that I really wanted to do was to try and get together a whole bunch of promos, uh, you know, just to bring them back and sort of host a, a big tournament, a large tournament with. Uh, my idea was to try and make it a pseudo national tournament. So we get together the entire South African community, try and maybe pull some of the players up in Johannesburg that haven't had a chance to come and play in a while. Um, and so I put out an appeal on all of the main Facebook groups saying, hey, this is a thing that I'm doing. I'd really like to get some promos. Uh, if you've got anything spare in your closet, you know, we'll take anything. I'll take old ice walls that you've got that everyone's got half a million of. I'll take old chaos theories that 
you know, it seems like literally every man and his dog has. Um, and I came to the tournament sort of uh, hoping to to pick up a couple of promos from people, and I'd, I'd had a couple of things pledged. And what I didn't realize was just how many things I was going to leave the tournament with. Um, I hope you've got access to the photo uh, that I popped up on uh, on the Netrunner Dorks page to sort of you know show everyone the the swag haul that I got. So but it was unbelievable. Yeah. What I'll, What I'll do now for everyone uh, listening is here is the picture. Ta-da! Um. <laughs> it's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I wrote when I when I shared this picture with people that it was it's just completely overwhelming, and that's that's absolutely one hundred percent true. I mean, it's just a it's just an unbelievable amount of stuff that I've got. Um, I, to be fair, we don't actually I don't actually know how I'm going to get rid of it all. Um, we've got enough here that not only can I run a full South African nationals that will give prizes to just about everyone who participates they'll be able to walk away with you know billions of promotional cards and whatnot but also we'll be able to keep a couple of these prizes aside to try and run a uh, new persons tournament in oxford i know that the last time oxford ran a newbies tournament it was really well attended really well received by the community so hopefully some of the support can go towards helping the next one that we run because uh I mean, this has just been absolutely remarkable, and I think it would be a waste to you know, to not give this out and give this back to to more people. Oh, definitely. I mean, even just now, I've had a quick look at the photo again, and it it's staggering the amount of support that you've been given. I mean, just just in terms of the just in terms of things like the play mats that I've been given, I think I've got ten here in the photo. One of them being Dave Hoyland's UK Nationals top eight playmat that he won the uk nationals on so i mean you know there's some really valuable stuff in here as well it was just an unbelievable display of generosity from the community and i've sent uh, I've, I've sort of poked michael boggs the lead designer of the game to say hey if you ever wanted to see just the kinds of people that you're designing this community uh, this game for here's an example of, of what they did for for someone that put out a request for some help um, and, you know, it's a testament to just how amazing this community is. It's unlike any other competitive community I've ever been involved in. I I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, for, for anyone as well that is uh, considering taking up Netrunner, thinking, oh, is it worth getting into? I mean, and that, that was on the, the Facebook group, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So you've, you've got the lead designer for this game is active in the community. Um, I believe they always have been, as far as I'm... As far aware. as I know, Lucas was a bit more in the shadows. He he did interact occasionally, but he, he wasn't... Uh, not Certainly not as active as Michael has been. Michael has been absolutely incredible. And Damon, to a large extent as well, has been great in sort of talking with the community, sharing their opinions... Uh, getting the opinions of different players. I know that Michael's uh, redesign of the most wanted list took into account a lot of player feedback as well, which I think is really, really healthy for the state of the game because you've got players here that can put in collectively way more testing and way more time into the game than the designers or the play testers ever could. Of course. And so it's in some ways the players know a lot better, uh, know this game a lot better than the designers themselves. So it's really important to get their opinions on uh, different interactions, what they want to see out of the game, what they like, what they don't like, and it's really cool to see a designer take that on board and uh, try and incorporate 
those aspects that the community really likes to make the game even better. Yeah, I mean, these are things that, that I've said numerous times, but um, it's been really nice talking to different people that are competing at the, the highest end of this game that are saying the same thing. It's it's very weird to have um, such a large vocal community singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and not just not just the competitive side as well. I mean, even on the casual side, you've got a lot of people that I'm seeing cropping up now that are starting their own little uh, pieces of community uh, community work. I mean, I, I saw a, a channel that's being created for South Korea that you know, is starting to show videos of their Netrunner. Um, there's on a great website, a community-run website called Always Be Running that collects tournament results from tournaments all around the world. There was a Japanese tournament uh, about a week ago that ran with just the core set, but it was awesome to see pictures from that event. I mean, this is really, it's a massively diverse community and a really involved community. So if you are thinking of getting into the game and you've been hesitant, definitely definitely take the plunge it's well worth your time yeah I, I couldn't agree more and it's it's not even one of these games that's going to break the bank to get into either um no certainly not with the new uh rotation that's about to hit the the game in a couple of months time where the first two cycles will as far as i understand still be available but will no longer be legal for tournament play so there's even less to to buy if you want to catch up and get the full set but I've always said that you don't actually need it. Uh, the release of the new big box terminal directive has meant that you can have a fabulous time on a kitchen table with just a copy of the core set and terminal directive to play through. Uh, so it now is the time really to get into Netrunner. Uh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's a fabulous game. You know, I've, I've heard some people talking about it going through the awkward teenage years of the LCG model, not sure if I agree with that. It seems like the game's in quite a strong position at the moment. Uh, the meta is fairly diverse, even if one or two decks are overwhelmingly powerful compared to others. There's a lot that you can play that's tournament viable and that you can do well with. And uh, that a bunch of people at the top end of the meta declared a deck to be particularly good doesn't mean that it's the best. I mean, certainly if you looked at the comparison between what was played at the Europeans and what was played at the North American Championships, which was, uh, or the US Nationals, which was happening at the same time, it was chalk and cheese. So, uh, you know, statements of the, the game's death seem a bit premature. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, one of the things I was going to talk to you about is the meta in general, because, I mean, it, it's, a, it's in a state at the moment where the diversity is apparent. You, you can play any faction and still do okay, you know. Um, we're not talking back back in worlds where you you played wizard CTM. That was that was it almost. Yeah, I mean, so we've had this discussion a little bit, uh, but I think for people that are listening, it's worth maybe repeating what we said in that discussion. Yeah, definitely. So, obviously, from a competitive standpoint, and that's going to be the perspective that I come from now that I'm uh, sort of quite head over heels into the competitive side of the game. The game that I'm looking for is probably one that values balance over diversity, where I think it's important to have both the runner and the corporation deck have powerful win conditions that they can both realistically achieve in a match. And what it's then going to come down to is play differences between you and your opponent that decides the outcome 
rather than some sort of rock, paper, scissors thing where you go into a matchup and are completely uh, out of your depth because you have no ability to contest. We saw that most clearly in the European final where Laurie had brought a wizard deck that had absolutely no ability to defend itself from meat damage, which meant that coming up against Mike's uh, Sink Boom deck, which attempts to try and land seven meat damage on the runner and flatline them immediately, meant that Laurie virtually could not win that matchup even before the game had begun. And I think yeah. that's, you know, from on the one hand, that's in the nature of card games, that's in the nature of, of you know, uh, a game where you want to try and have diversity. But from my perspective, I think balance is more important. And what we saw in the world's meta was an incredibly balanced game between Wizard on the runner side and CTM on the corp side, which meant that both decks really took away the aspect of chance and the aspect of rock, paper, scissors and allowed for the best players to come through uh, and, and to, to succeed at the tournament. One of the major reasons I think why Chris Dyer wins that tournament is because he is one of, if not the best player in the world. Fast forward to now, and what we've got is a slightly different situation where there are certain decks that are dominant, but because players are teching very heavily to try and deal with those decks, because you need to put in a lot of cards to be able to deal with the Estelle Moon, Acid Spam, vomit all my cards all over the table into about a half a billion remote servers and then go from there. You need to put in a lot of cards to try and counter that kind of strategy. But of course, the more cards that you put in to counter that kind of strategy, the fewer spaces you have left to counter other strategies. And that means all of a sudden, it becomes much more difficult to win other kinds of matchups. And I had this sort of demonstrated to me most clearly in my first round game against a guy from Switzerland, a, a fabulous player called Yannick, who was playing a HB Glacier deck relying on defensive upgrades like Chrysium Grid, Caprice Nisei, and Ash, and Big Ice to try and keep me out. And as Siphon Wizard, you never want to see Big Ice. That's the absolute bane of your existence because you're using Account Siphon to fuel your economy, and it's incredibly easy for any form of Glacier deck to bounce back really, really quickly. So that game was incredibly difficult because I had virtually no answers to a lot of the defensive upgrades that he had in his deck outside of my single copy of Rumor Mill and uh, just clicking for a lot of money to be able to pay through his expensive ice. And I managed to luck sack a victory out of that by running on a server that he thought I couldn't get into. Um, but through a bunch of shenanigans, I managed to get my way into that server steal three points and put myself in a position where I could make a final run on headquarters, steal the final agenda to win. But that illustrated to me just where the metagame is at the moment, that by going so all in on trying to beat the top decks of the tournament, it makes it very, very easy that you lose to people that have made a slightly offbeat or a slightly different choice. And I think for the community as a whole, that's a really healthy place for the game to be in because it means that anyone can pick up the deck that they like to play put in a bunch of cards to improve that deck and make it more consistent and take it to a tournament and with the right kinds of play and the right kinds of luck, expect to do well. And I think that that's a really exciting space for the game to be in at the moment. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I love the idea that I can... Like, I did, I did feel a little bit I need to play Wizard going into Worlds, expecting Moonspam to be such a big thing. Um... 
but I was really, really impressed at seeing. I don't think I played a single one. Um, I didn't make day two because I uh, I made a silly mistake, which I believe we will have already covered by this point. Um, if if not, you guys will find out at some point. But um, yeah, I I managed to play five games and didn't see a single moon spam. I saw two Palana foods, which I didn't expect. Um, oh, the I... panic Palana is always a good option if you're worried about what to take to a tournament. The top players are always saying, "Ah, just take Palana, it's fine." That deck has no real bad matchups. Yeah. Um, so there you go. If you're looking at starting, uh, learn how to play Palana. You'll be fine. Yeah. Pro tip. Pro tip. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the meta's in a good place. Um, I think especially by the end of this cycle, things are going to be quite interesting. Oh yeah. Um, I can't wait to see Wayland throwing meteors at people. Yes, I am. I am very, very excited for both uh, Meteor Mining and for their new two-zero agenda standoff, which just seems like the most ridiculous agenda. I just, I love it. Um, I don't know if you guys are keen on spoilers on this show, uh, um, but it... I I love them because it's Netrunner and it's going to be a thing, and it doesn't ruin my excitement to find out. So, if you don't want to listen. Click forward yeah. a little bit. We'll give a, a quick spoiler <laughs> warning, but very, very quickly. The agenda basically allows the corporation player to force the runner to start discarding cards from their hand. And discards then alternate between runner and corp. So the runner has to discard a card. The corp has to discard a card. And if the runner gives up discarding cards or, or trashing cards before the corporation does, the corporation gains an amount of money. And I just think that that's a really cool idea. That sounds and I just, amazing. I just love the idea of the one player just looking into the other player's eyes and just slowly moving a card from the table into their bin and going, you'll move. I think that that's really, really cool. And I'm really excited to see what people are going to do with that. Uh, yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see Waylon making a little bit of a resurgence. I mean... Uh, ben Nee, uh, world's top two finisher last year, uh, jokes often about how Wayland is a mini faction, and it has really felt like that's been true for a long time. I mean, not to say that I've been playing the game for you know particularly long. I'm hardly a granddad of the game. I think I started round about April last year, so I've been playing for about a year and a bit. Um, but even during my time in the game, Wayland has sort of never really been on the tournament radar in terms of what top players are bringing. No. And so it was really exciting to see in the US Nationals, I think it was four Wayland decks made the top 16 cut. Yep. Um, and uh, if if it's any indication that Wayland is in a healthier place than it was, uh, you know, than it's ever been in the meta, certainly since I started the game, it's the fact that both Scorpius and Blue Sun look to be really powerful decks that you can take at the moment. Uh, and especially in a meta where people are expecting a lot of uh, asset-based uh, decks and a lot of asset spam, taking something more chunky like Blue Sun might be a really, really good call. And that's, I think, very exciting for anyone who's enjoyed playing Wayland but has felt it's been a little bit under the curve. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I said um, in the previous interview talking to Coop, like, I've been playing a few months short of you, Um I've been playing for nearly a year competitively and um, it's just been, it's been yellow dominated. NBN has been the, the, uh, yeah. the go-to. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely. nice to see that dropping off a little bit as well. 
Yeah, I think it's nice to see the change. Uh, yellow has been dominant for a fairly long time. Uh, the weird thing is that NBN had been yet to crack a Worlds until last year, because for some reason, uh, despite the fact that yellow decks were universally seen as being the most powerful, given that they had one of the best win conditions available to them, no one had yet decided to bring one to Worlds and gone the distance until last year, where CTM was just the overwhelmingly dominant corporation. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, you've still got, I think, some very, very good archetypes in NBN. I saw a lot of soul decks running around, and that was exciting to see. I think that that identity has got a lot of love in a meta where currents are all over the place. Uh, oh, you've yeah. got Ben's, Ben's Sync, which remains one of the most disgusting, but beautiful beautiful examples of how to design a an efficient really 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 well tech deck um everything in that deck is perfectly considered i mean th that deck is absolute is an absolute monster to play against and of course you had kenny deacons coming across from uh from america and showing the world that ctm still isn't dead it's still something that you can play and I think it's a lot more balanced now with Sensi Actors Union being taken onto the most wanted or put onto the most wanted list. The decks become a lot less quick, but that also makes it a lot fairer as a matchup, which I think is really exciting. That's really what CTM ought to have been from the start. Yes. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, it, it is. I, I, I love where we are right now. Um, so I'm going to go on to a couple of... Um, other little questions now. Do you yeah, have sure. a favourite Netrunner card? So, Not necessarily something that's amazingly good, but something you just like? So, I mean, I like a bunch of the different Anarch cards. Uh, you know, Anarch is my favourite runner of the runner factions. I've loved playing Siphon Anarch ever since I got introduced to it. It's, it's fast, it's aggressive. But in terms of my favourite card, it's definitely Mongoose, the criminal sentry breaker. Largely because I love the art on the card and because I'm all about tiny mammals. I think tiny mammals are really cool. And if anyone's ever seen me play, uh, they'll know that my playmat has got a tiny sleeping mongoose on it, specifically because I love that card so much. Um, it's not the best card. It's not the best century breaker in the world. I mean, the fact that you can only use it to break one century on a, on a, on a particular server is really irritating. And I forget that provision all <laughs> the time. But I just think it's a really beautiful card, and it's it's one of the I think more interesting designs for a a, a criminal century breaker, and so uh, you know that for with for without a shadow of a doubt is my favorite card, and I'm desperately desperately hoping that FFG decides that they're going to release more tiny mammal cards because I would love to have a fox barrier breaker and a rabbit code gate breaker. I, I think that would be really cool and flavorful. If I ever win worlds, that's what I'm gonna do. Make make the woodland suite of icebreakers. Make the woodland suite of icebreakers. It's going to be magnificent. <laughs> awesome. Um, and do you have a favourite ID? Oh, so this one's easy. I have loved engineering the future ever since I started uh, playing the game. I love the HB faction because everything about them screams cyberpunk in this uh, like in this game. Like. They're a corporation that's got a lot of really sinister stuff going on. They're, you know, rewiring people's brains. They're, like, scanning people's thoughts. And they're building a biotic labor force. And that's created huge economic shocks. And uh, as someone that's studying economics, 
that's something that interests me, uh, to see how the labor displacement in the Android Netrunner universe has affected the way in which people interact with bioroids. And so engineering the future is not only the strongest of the HB identities, uh, it's also, I think, one of the most interesting to play because there's so much that you can do with it. I got my start in Netrunner playing a very heavily Glacier HB deck that I built, largely on the idea that, wait a minute, if you put lots of really strong ice then the runner can't get into your servers. And so that was my kind of roll safe moment. And I built some terrible janky deck with Wotan, which you know costs 14 to raise 10 strength. Janus, 15 to raise 8 strength. And used priority requisition to raise them for free because my economy just could not handle all this really expensive ice that I was putting in. But that, that deck served me really, really well back home. And ever since coming here, I've been aching for a chance to get back to it. And when the new most wanted list hit recently, the HB Glacier archetype was the one I took to Aldershot to manage to, uh, to, to take down the tournament there. And then of course, you've got the asset spam side of things, which has come more recently with the addition of Estelle Moon. I know that uh, Spooky HB has been around for a while, but HB has never really been the asset spam faction until now. So it's been really interesting to see the archetype change and to see what you can do with the identity going sideways rather than going vertical. And so, yeah, HB, without a shadow of a doubt, is my favorite corp faction and ETF, my favorite corp identity. Awesome. Um, yeah, that, that was an amazing answer. Well done. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so... Um... I reckon we'll wrap it up then by asking about your favourite board games for anyone that's either not particularly Netrunner focused or anyone that is Netrunner focused but wants to have something else to play. Sure. I mean, so this is actually a really interesting question. I um, At the, the university where I study at, a bunch of people um, and I have sort of come together every Wednesday uh, in support of each other's welfare to have tea and biscuits um, generally talk about how terrible our situations are with regards to theses and supervisors and whatnot. And I've recently started trying to get them involved in board gaming and to say to them, you know, there's this whole other world that you're not exploring that's really exciting and that I love that you really should get involved with. And obviously that's necessitated playing a bunch of, uh, you know, sort of more large group focused games. And that's meant that we've started with group favorites, you know, things like Spyfall, The Resistance Avalon, Mafia de Cuba. Um, but the one that I've enjoyed the most has been Skull. And that has gone down really, really well with the entire group. I think everyone likes the idea of being able to play poker without needing to be a mathematician in order to do well at it. And the mirth that we get from watching someone agonize over whether or not they're going to flip someone else's tile in order to try and reveal that last flower that they need and knowing just knowing that it's got to be a skull because of the kinds of people that we play with <laughs> has just been fantastic so i recommend skull you know wholeheartedly i think it's fabulous you can buy it for i think it's like what less than a less than 20 at the moment and it's a, it's a beautiful version that they've that they've released. Uh, the art is gorgeous, and it will give you hours and hours of entertainment, and can be played while drunk as well, which is a really important thing amongst a group of university-aged friends. 
So hand on heart, my recommendation, Skull. Excellent. Um, I agree with what you've said there. I mean, we, we've got uh, a couple of copies of it um, because, again, playing it in massive groups is awesome. Um, the beautiful thing about it as well, for anyone that, that's tempted, uh, go pick up a copy and then just hoard beer mats that are the yes. same. Yeah, because it's if absolutely get, a thing you can do. Get four beer mats that are identical and a permanent marker and you've got another player. Yes, exactly. Um, and that goes to almost infinitely sized games. Um, I think the biggest we've played with is about nine or ten. Uh, um, that is wild. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was interesting, um, but it is it is good. It is very very good. Um, it sounds like you're into fairly similar things to us because we we're big fans of the Resistance. Um, yeah, the we... resistance has been sort of the 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 one that we've cracked up the most frequently, uh, largely because I've I've only updated my collection fairly recently. But Avalon has gone down really, really well. I think people really like the uh, they really like the team element of it. They really like the negotiation. In fact, that you can sort of switch in and out of the game um, over the course of an evening. So you know, if you need to reply to an email or something, it's something that you can quickly do. You can quickly zone out and then get back in without losing too much. Um, and I, I think, you know, that game works really, really well. It doesn't scale as well um, as something like Skull does or something like Mafia de Cuba, which, you know, is great all the way up into 10, 11, 12 players, which we sometimes get to. But for a group of six players that want a really fantastic evening, uh, the Resistance has definitely been a crowd favorite back where I'm playing. Yeah, uh, we refer to it as argument in a box. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it is absolutely wonderful. Um, cool. So with that, is there anything else you want to say? Um... So aside from giving a shout out to the South African Netrunner community and to say, hi guys, I miss you tons. Uh, can't wait to to be back and to show you all the cool swag that I'm going to bring down for a nationals that we're going to host. Uh, I think just another plug for the UK Netrunner community, just to say these guys are unbelievable. Uh, the entire community is absolutely fabulous. They're doing a lot of great work to try and build the community in places that you know have seen a little bit of drop off or where numbers are a little bit low. And they're just the most unbelievably friendly and loving and fantastic group of people that I've ever come across. So if you want to get into Netrunner, I hope we've convinced you that the game is in a really good state and it's a great time for you to jump in. But I can also highly recommend jumping into the slightly more competitive side of Netrunner. I know you guys ran an entire series talking about your build-up to getting to competitive uh, level at store championships and sort of the nerves that went into that and uh, all the concerns that people have about wanting to go to a tournament but being worried that they might make a mistake and people will shout at them. Nothing could be further from the truth. The community is absolutely fantastic when it comes to new players and to getting new players into the game and helping new players through their first tournament. So if at any point you're thinking of dropping into a competitive Netrunner event, be that a game night kit, be that a regional championships, being nationals, come by, you really will not regret it. Yeah, from our experiences, I think we would all agree. Um, it has been nothing but enjoyable for us. Because um, even when you get absolutely smashed, you learn something. Um and actually, as a final point, for, for anyone that listened to our report on the charity gift tournament, 
that um, me, Brian, and Jamie went to. Um, my final game, where I mentioned getting absolutely destroyed by Slate Shaper bullshit, was at Tristan's hands. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he made I, me appreciate quite how good that can be. Yeah, as it turns out, Haley is overpowered. If it please nerfs. Um. Yeah, I I kind of sat there just going, right, things are happening. Um, He's installing lots of stuff. What's going on? This is crazy. Yeah, no, that. Yeah. I I had so much fun at that charity gift tournament. It was fabulous to meet you guys there as well. Yeah, it was it was a great time. Um, and and again, this is the thing, guys. Like, just just go, like you said, get involved. Um, hundred yeah, percent. There is there is no no worries about it. If you know someone that plays and you want to practice, but you can't get into playing down the pub or at someone's house, get someone to walk you through a game on Jinteki. Give us oh, a yeah. message. We will sit over Skype and walk you through a game on Jinteki. Um, it's not difficult. It just takes a. It's it can feel a bit clunky the first couple of times. Um, yeah, I've always said that the jargon is a little bit of a barrier to entry. But once you get past that and start thinking about things in terms of of normal board game uh, mechanics, you know, don't think of them as credits. Think of them as resources that you're going to use. Don't think of your your grip of cards as as a grip think of it as your hand and it starts to become a lot easier to get into the game and to understand what's going on yeah yeah definitely i mean it 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 takes normal things and puts a cyberpunk twist on them by using a different word yeah and that's all it is yeah definitely um so once you get your head around the fact that they're calling your deck r&d for example if you're a corp it's fine um you you will you will get around that and over it quite quickly um yeah. cool so thank you very much for joining us tristan oh thanks so much for having me it's always, I always appreciate coming on to podcasts and talking to you guys it's exciting to see the work that you guys do for the community as well so you know i'm happy to be a part of it oh thank you very much we will have to get you back on um once you've some of the stuff has been run in south africa and you can let us know how it's gone yeah absolutely i'm more than happy to come and join you to talk about how it's gone fantastic Okay, uh, well, until next time then, we shall... Thank you very much. Cool, thanks, guys. Cheers. So, as you heard, guys, um, obviously Tristan does a lot of work for the community when he can. Um, we'll try and get him on again in future as well because he's uh, always good to hear to, from and uh, might even be able to get a couple of games recorded and uh, put up as videos for you guys as well so you can see him, well, battering all us of uh, Netrunner. Cool. So, our second and final interview for today is with Ben Nee, who runs a successful YouTube channel and came second at Worlds. Right there, guys. I am here now with an interview. No, that was shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing fine. No, that's not the words I wanted to it. use. That's not the words <laughs> I wanted to use. Um, now I know how Brian feels. Uh, <laughs> Oh, right. Hi there, guys. Uh, I'm here with the second interview now with Ben Nee, who came second at Worlds last year. Last Hi year there. or this year? Yep, that's last year. Last year, right, cool. And he took part in Euros when I and Brian, who got really excited, got the chance to meet him. Um, so, hi, Ben. 
yeah hello um it's great to have you here uh ben does a lot of stuff on is it it's mostly youtube isn't it you do your stuff on yeah there? that's where I, I, I publish all my videos cool so um if you're on youtube at the moment uh check out the screen we'll have put a little link up for you over to ben's channel so go go look enjoy watch uh absorb all the information and stuff he can give you um i'm i'm led to believe it's mostly just memes nowadays from what people <laughs> are telling me uh, <laughs> that is i i won't deny that but if you want to confirm it you can go check it out yourself <laughs> yes um so there we go if you if you guys do go check it out and you enjoy it uh, let us know what percentage of memes you think is is good has he gone too far uh so yeah, um, you took part in Euros, uh, along with myself and 230 other people. Yeah, um, big one. That was a big tournament. It was. It was fantastic. Uh, so what what did you take? What what decks did you think would uh, lead you to victory? Yeah, so first off, it was a great pleasure meeting all of you. I mean, yourself especially. I mean, I've heard of your um, podcast from The Grapevine, but I've never really tuned into it. Uh, at least not until now. So yeah, uh, coming into Euros, uh, I did want to try hard, you know, that term where, you know, you're uh, trying to play competitively and you're trying to win. So I brought some slightly nasty decks. Uh, my runner was a wizard deck uh, that fe that spends most of its influence on account siphon. Uh, for those of you who have picked up Netrunner, you might know it's a nasty card that drains the corp of their money and disables them because they have no money to do things. And it focuses on playing siphons over and over again. It's a nasty deck, but uh, my opponents were nastier. They did really not... Um, yeah, they threw some really surprise strategies at my way, which I wasn't really prepared for. And uh, yeah, as a result, I didn't do very well. Um, my corp deck was a soul deck, New Angelus Soul, uh, that runs Boom, which is a card that deals 7 meat damage. Seems pretty good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, all in all, I finished, I think, 25th. It's a pretty decent performance. I was hoping to make it to the top card, though, so it's a bit of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, no, you can't you can't say twenty fifth is bad. I suppose it is a slight fall from grace of coming second um, at Worlds, but uh... yeah, I guess that's one of the problems with doing so well, huh? You just have this invincible expectation set up for yourself, and everything, all your other achievements uh, following that just pale in comparison. Um, Worlds was phenomenal, and yeah, um, it's pretty hard to match that. Well, I suppose the only thing for you to do now is to win. So. Um... At least you've still got something to aim for. I guess. <laughs> Very um, optimistic outlook there. Yeah, well, why not? Um, you know, I mean, you're, like you are, you are widely regarded as being a really good player, so I can't see any reason that that, that shouldn't be an aim of yours. I wouldn't say that. I guess what I'm more well known for is my optimism, uh, ironically. So um, it's even though it was a pretty you know, not the best tournament for me. I still had a load of fun at the expo. I mean, at Euros. Um, just meeting up with all the people from around the world. Uh, I mean, being the inaugural Euros championship, that was an experience I wasn't really sure of what to expect coming in. But it was really fantastic seeing everyone and, you know, meeting a lot of my YouTube subscribers. Um 
that I haven't got to meet in person just yet. Awesome. Well, everyone I've spoken to has said how how wonderful it was. Um, and as you will have heard us us say before, and other interviews and other channels, the community is wonderful. Um, yes, uh, indeed. Yeah, um, that is one of, in my opinion, one of the biggest selling points of the game. Um, far and beyond the game itself with uh, the cards and the mechanics and everything. So just a bit of background into how I got into Netrunner, especially for uh, some of the newer players who are listening to this podcast. So I got into Netrunner about, I think it's almost four years ago, 2013, I think, uh, late 2013. I was introduced to this game by Tagore, who uh, used to be in London. Um, he... He, he basically was in the same university as me, and I met him at our university's tabletop club. So yeah, it wasn't, you know, you know I, I didn't get into the community just then. It was just something at the university level. We, you know, sparred against each other. That was good. But even back then, um, I can empathize with some uh, play, uh, new, newer players who are like a bit apprehensive about joining the community. Back then, I was also rather resistant about going up to Netrunner meets in uh, the local pub or the gaming shop. But, well, as I continued playing the game and as I continued getting more absorbed into it, I started, albeit reluctantly, uh, meeting up with all these foreign faces, people who I couldn't remember the names of, and participating in tournaments. So there's always... As first step, I think um, yourself included. I'm sure you've had your fair share of experience, uh, you know, getting your feet wet into Netrunner, right? Yeah, I mean, we um, had a very similar thing. Um, I've only just finished university, um, literally a few weeks ago. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I should tell the podcast. I got my results um, on Friday. Uh, I got my first. So Woo! exactly, that all went well. Awesome, um, Thank you, man. But yeah, we I got introduced to it from one of my lecturers actually. Wow. Who, who went? Um, oh, you guys are all into like sort of games. He's only a couple of years older than I am. Um, and actually, was is uh, Jamie, who is now part of the Critical Twits. So we've um, come a long way in the few years I've been there, but. Yeah, he sort of introduced me to it, and I started playing with the core set, which I had for about three years. Played a few games with some mates every now and again. Um, and then about a year ago, just under a year ago, actually, um, he sort of said, oh, let's start playing again. Um, I introduced uh, Brian to it. Uh, Aaron had, had had a core set as well and played the odd game here and there. And we... Um, yeah, we kind of decided to get into it in a big way. So I went and bought a collection off someone and was just like, right, done. There we go. I've got everything. Yeah. And, and have jumped into it sort of feet first. We played a couple of little uh, game night kit events. And then my first big event was the uh, charity gift. Tournament. Oh, yeah. That's an amazing event to start out with. Oh, it nice. was brilliant. Um, and it was kind of my first fit in the door with the community as well. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So, yeah, that's usually where things start, right? You start with a couple of mates, you know, in your living room or, you know, down at a pub, wherever it is, just by yourselves. And that's perfectly natural. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, it was about, it was when I started meeting up with the other Netrunner, 
the other local net runners that I started uh, deciding to make uh, YouTube videos, mostly out of um, pursuing uh, uh, improving my gameplay, should I say? Yeah. So it was mostly, you know, a very uh, self-improving thing back at the time. But one amazing thing that I'm sure you agree with me uh, is that when you do content creation, uh, you start getting viewers and that is another inroads to, uh, you know, uh, meeting up with the community, the fantastic people that share the same passion as you. So, it, um, yeah, uh, because of my YouTube channel, I got to actually um, talk about the game with other players whom I would never otherwise meet face-to-face -face with, people from America and people from all over Europe. It's surprising how many people watch, uh, tune into my videos, and getting to see them in person at Euros was a big deal. Um, I guess you ha you've had a similar story with your Critical Twits podcast, right? Yeah, um, I mean, we don't do a lot of sort of netrunner focus. We try and put out some one one podcast a month about it. Um, yeah. Mostly sort of our how we've gotten into it and our thoughts on different things that are coming out from a slightly newer person's perspective. Yeah, but uh, I think the amazing thing is that because you have this uh, uh, vehicle for content creation, you actually get to, you have an excuse to talk to people that you otherwise wouldn't get to talk to, like me. Oh, like, yes. yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and that's amazing. I, I would have felt like I was being um, just, just a bit rude, really, coming up if I wasn't going, do you, do you want to do a, do you want to do a thing? Um, I don't know why that's less rude than just going, hi. Um, no, not at all. I, I, in, if anything, I, am, I, I feel like, um, Euros was the perfect time to say hi to people that you know or people that you know you you just want to say hi to. Um, it was the same thing with me at Worlds. I, I mean, before I got my second place achievement, I was well, pretty much um, <laughs> just another random net run on the street. But I still took. The, I mean, yeah, it was a great opportunity to say hi to some of my biggest idols uh, that played the game. Uh, names like Dan Dagenial. Uh, Dean, Timmy Wong, you know, these players that I've always idolized from a distance. Uh, and same thing here. Yeah, I don't think it's rude at all that uh, you that uh, you approach uh, people that you uh, subscribe to. In, if anything, I'm quite happy to hear that, uh, yeah, you know me uh, through some way or another. I'm sure any, anyone, anyone that follows the, the Netrunner competitive scene, even just from the world stuff, will have heard of you. Um, uh, yeah, we we've we've had the same thing. We um we all got so excited when we got mentioned on Run Last Click, um, yeah. as a as a podcast. Um, getting to meet Christian over the weekend from Teamwork Cast was amazing. Um, and having him get really excited, going, "Oh, it's you guys! We listen to your stuff!" And it was just <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, really really nice time. So, so this is it. I mean, if if any of you guys out there that are, are listening, you take take the same steps you know go start start a podcast um <laughs> talk about stuff um don't be better than us because then people will stop listening but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah don't be afraid to just immerse yourself in the community because you're surprised at how uh welcoming that people are um, no, this is it yeah uh, and, it, and it's been it's been nothing but nothing but wonderful um so We've, we know uh, we know what you've taken. Um, well done on taking Soul. I absolutely love the idea. Um, I'm really hoping they make a runner that plays around currents as well. That would be fun. 
yeah um because they're they're big they've become such an important part so having having spoken about the the decks you took um and how you've done were there any massive surprises for you at euros like for Uh, what other people were running um i i um i suppose a bit um i was quite honestly i was a bit taken aback by the amount of sheer variety that uh some of the decks in the lower tables uh yeah by the sheer variety of decks uh, at the lower tables it's uh, it kind of took me by surprise and uh, that was one reason i wasn't able to do so well i was stuck at the lower tables and i wasn't really able to crawl out of it because uh, people were just hitting me with uh, the most random cards at times that i didn't expect as for the more competitive side the top card and everything uh, things were mostly expected uh, i felt that um the decks i mean the id choices uh for from the players by the top in the top card were rather homogeneous but that is to be expected of uh play at the competitive level at the you know at the pinnacle of competition so i think it was all in all um interesting to see uh what people gravitated towards and for the lower tables um the <clears throat> the sheer variety of uh, archetypes that c- came out from all the different regions. You have uh, various parts of Europe, you know, bringing their own pet decks and pitting it out, which I find absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, and this is it. I mean, and this leads nicely into the the next thing I wanted to talk about as well, with um, just kind of like the state of the meta at the moment. Um, I I personally think it's in a great great place because you can have this variety of decks and. Um, I know it's not necessarily a popular opinion. Some people liked the world meta, where it was you you play CTM and you play Wizard, and then you just see who can play them best. Yeah. Um. But I I, I myself like a bit of variety. Yeah. So, uh, um, it's a very tricky topic. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but I think the game is in a really great place right now. Uh, with I guess a couple of exceptions. Uh, there are some solitaire decks that are still running around, and any deck that aims to play a solitaire game, uh, you know that that's kind of not netrunner. You you like interactive decks that force your opponent to interact and you know have a good dynamic going between the two players. But that aside, um, there's a lot of strategies and archetypes available. You know you have tagging tag based decks. You have Glacier decks with uh, that play a lot of ice and try to score agendas the normal way. You have uh, rig shooter decks. You, I mean, you've seen the Scorpio's defense system ID. That one oh, yes. that tries to yeah remove your programs from the table. That's another way you can do things. There's net damage. There's meat damage. So many different uh, viable options right now, and I think that's a sign of a healthy meta. Um, as for the competitive side of things, again, uh, sometimes they appear homogeneous at times. Uh, you brought up a very good example with Wiz versus CTM. That's, well, shall we say that that's uh, something that's to be expected uh, given competitive play. Um, it's not, I mean, I wouldn't even say it's a problem, but if you view it as a problem, it's not unique to competitive Netrunner. All other games out there if it's competitive, people will gravitate towards the most consistent uh, and the most viable strategies. That is just something to be expected. 
Yeah. Oh, completely. Um, I mean, I I have played um, as my, as everyone else will be sick of hearing um, a, n- a number of things competitively now. Um, I used to be into Magic. I have a very brief stint in the card fight Vanguard. I've mm. played um, Hero Clicks and Dice Masters at a national level and done okay in both. Um, so yeah, like uh, for for me, I'm I'm very used to the the way a competitive meta sort of is shaped and it usually is around something in particular that's really good yes um and then you have its counters and maybe a couple of other things and then you have the people that just go i like this so i'm playing this i don't really care what anyone else is doing yep and Um, sometimes they do well sometimes they exceed expectations and appear in the top cut this is it um so no it's 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 good um every no no one seems to hate where the game is right now uh, which is nice and obviously yeah. there will be there will be changes coming with rotation and i mean I'm, I'm excited to see what happens yeah it'll be very interesting to see what happens i think that will uh i mean for players who are a bit tired of the game that might decide whether they stay on or leave uh and if they do a very good job with rotation i think there's a very good chance that we can get a lot of uh fresh players into the game oh definitely definitely um so taking a a step back from the the serious side of of metas and tournaments and everything else uh for any listeners that are curious do you have a favorite card in netrunner well not really but i guess i will have to go with uh the agenda that is that's my avatar <laughs> that's breaking news all the way from corset um, breaking news is well, it's a very controversial <laughs> agenda to say the least. But I like its proactive nature. It's a bit strong, but um, yeah, um, I like that there are tools in the game that reward proactive, aggressive court play, and breaking news is one of them. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, I think, like you say, being being that little, excuse me, start that bit again. Right. No, I, I I think that's fair. I think having a um, a slightly more proactive corp makes it that again. It's a little bit more interaction. Yes. You're, you're not just sitting there going, no, 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 stay away, get out. These are my servers. Um, yeah. You're actually kind of almost chasing the runner and you know predator turning prey and this kind of thing. And it's it's a really nice dynamic. Um, so hopefully that will be that be something we see more of. Yep, you put um, it pretty well. Yep, it's something that um, forces uh, interaction and dynamic play between both players. I suppose something that's in the same vein that I'm—I don't know if I—I I think it's going to be the best thing ever. I can already think of some horrible things that are going to happen with it. But um, the Wayland meteor mining uh, agenda where you get to fling a meteor at someone. <laughs> I'm sure someone will come up with a horrible combination of combining breaking news scores and scoring that into a single activation. And, <laughs> and yeah, just maybe going, there it's they some... are, and throwing a meteor yeah. at the head. Yeah, some imaginary um, uh, format where you can play both Wayland and NBN agendas in the same deck. Yeah, that would oh, be yeah, yeah actually, that's a very good point. See, this this is this is why you're the better player, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you don't forget stupid things like you can't mix uh, 
No, it, I mean, it's a very good point because now you want to create an alternative format. You, you, you introduce this new alternative format to your friends where you can mix genders from different factions and you build that deck and yes. crush faces with a meteor. Yes. I'd like to see that happen. <laughs> I, I would love to see something similar happen. Um, if they weren't both genders. Right, so after making myself look stupid, let's carry on to the next question. Um, do you have a favorite ID? Yeah, the answer is no, again, um, not very preferential here, but um, uh, one thing I must say is that uh, there has been kind of a lull in terms of interesting ID designs. There were some really interesting ones uh, in past cycles. Uh, Leela Patel is one that I, I always refer to. Um, it's, Leela's ability just seems so innocuous at first glance. The ability to return an ice to the corpse hand only when agendas are scored or stolen. It seems, hey, how many times are you going to trigger that again at one game? And how much does that actually do? When you actually sit across a leader, that's when you feel that, wow, this ability can be really oppressive. So it, I like the sublime design there. Um, so as I said, yeah, there haven't been much that have been printed since then, but Terminal Directive brought some really interesting IDs. The recursion-based IDs are... I think some of the better design in a long time. So I'm looking at Steve Cambridge and Seder Laboratories. Those provide a lot of, it, they're both fun IDs because there's, you actually have a lot of, uh, you know, um, gameplay decisions to make. It's not easy choosing which cards to recur into your hand, but uh, making the right decision can pay off big time, and that's why I like uh, the skill-intensive part of Netrunner, and that translates into fun when you make the correct decisions and gain a lead during a game. Oh, definitely. Um, I really like that with like Steve Cambridge in particular. Um, not you. You have to make. Not only do you have to make a choice in what you're going to do, you've still got to be interactive in triggering your ability. You're not sitting yes. there being max and going, oh, well, this just happens every turn for free anyway. You're, you've got to get to HQ. Exactly. Um, and avoid that Chrysium grid and make it make it in and get that successful run to trigger the thing, to do something cool, to bring back your, I don't know, 15th account siphon. <laughs> <laughs> and just hammer the corp that little bit more. But yeah, I, I that seems fair. I mean, I, I love Leela. I think she's one of the best uh, criminal IDs. Um yeah, I love these proactive IDs. As you say, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. Um, for the for that very reason, um, encouraging proactive gameplay. You can't yeah. ask for more. This is it. Um, cool. So, um, I mean, so so we're not dragging this out. That seems like a fairly good cover of the net running side of things. So if we just in case we've got any listeners here um that aren't particularly big on netrunner but are just a bit curious or if we've got any netrunners that are looking for something else to do while Jinteki's down um have you got a favorite board game Ooh, oh man um wow you really pounced on me on that one um <laughs> for the longest time i you know sometimes you go to a random board game night you play a board game you've never played before and you go home thinking wow I need to get more of this I'm going to start uh, looking up YouTube to see if there are playthroughs of that game, board game because it's amazing yep. sometimes you get a feeling I got that for Agricola so okay. I'll still have to 
yeah, I'm still uh, I'm gonna stick to that one because I ever since ever since I got after yeah ever since my first playthrough of Agricola where I got hooked onto it, I don't think I've managed to get another game in that I can remember, and I'm still waiting for one. So yeah, awesome. So there you go, guys. So, um, the second place uh, person at Worlds loves Agricola. Um, so if you like, well, you like board games, most of you should probably know what it is by now. Um, I think we've, I don't know if we've done a review on it, but I know we've definitely played a fair bit of it. I believe Brian owns it. Um, nice. Where he buys all of our stuff, really. <laughs> we we kind of just sit there and go, oh, what have you bought for us to play this week, bro? <laughs> um, but no, it's it's a great game. So, with that, uh, is there anything else you would like to say to anyone listening, Ben? Ah, yeah. Um, have fun and don't be afraid because there's a lot to discover in this uh, realm of Netrunner, both in the game and with the community. Yep. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time, Ben. Um, I'm sure in the future we'll um, we'll manage to do something. We'll try and get some... Uh, community games up and recorded or something uh or, yeah or bonus points to... if that's agricola <laughs> bonus <laughs> points um i'm sure at some point we'll be able to organize a uh, a game for agricola for you, you can sit and play brian um i'm sure oh, you'd yeah. love it cool right. thanks right. for having me on thank you very much right that's it for this week then guys uh thank you very much to both of our guests we look forward to both having them on the show again and potentially doing some collaborations in future if you would like to get in contact with us uh, please don't hesitate to talk to us on social media twitter facebook um we've got our email address as well uh you can find all of our details at criticaltwits.com so until next time thank you for tuning in and bye mm-hmm.